Hey, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? Not bad. How's your week been? My week's my week's been fine. My week's been cool. No, I was talking to the listeners. Wow. <laughs> no, you, you care can- what about me. You got good news this week. You were, I know you were losing sleep over the fact that Apple had not announced WWDC, and um, this week you can you can rest easy. They have. Woo! <laughs> in and, a, a quote, all online format. Yeah, and huge huge shocker, huge huge surprise here. The uh, the the keynote date, you know, is always the Monday of the of the of the week, the first week of June. Yeah, it's June sixth. Wow, it's the first week of June. Incredible. <laughs> who, could have, who could have predicted? It's June 6th through June 10th, the first week of June. Mm-hmm. And it, do you know what, Zach? It's free for everyone to attend. It is free for everyone to uh, attend on, on the internet. Yeah, but how, how do you attend exactly? Well, you, um, you, you download the WWDC app. You watch the keynote online. You um, do some interaction between, between developers and Apple. That, that that week that's, that's how you attend mm-hmm. you can watch some videos you can apply for some labs mm-hmm. but in addition apple is hosting a special day for developers and students on june 6th to watch in person you can watch the keynote and the state of the union together with apple at apple park that is an in-person element of wwc would you not agree uh i'm there i, I like you so i'm gonna say sure Come on! You gotta give me this one! But do you know what the in-person part is? It's to go in person to watch a video. Right. Now, if it was like... In, I would give you 100% credit if it was in person to watch the presentation that everyone else was watching remotely. Then it'd be like... Well, you, you are. You are watching the same presentation that everyone else is watching remotely. You're watching the recording <laughs> of a presentation. Yeah, but come on! Like, I, I should have made this clearer last week. I wasn't expecting him to do like an in-person keynote. No, no. So you, I mean, you mean if they invite press, that they would, they'd still just play you a video. They've done that before. I mean, most of the most of the keynotes these days are videos, but no. But I mean, before COVID, before everything like that, they would invite press to events where they would sit you in a room, watch the keynote video, and then have hands-on or chat afterwards. That like until. I mean, we are going back a few years, but until like the, the Apple Watch, right, which is what, 2015? Before 2015, Apple would invite UK press to a a media <laughs> event in the UK. So you could, they, moving, I think they moving, would. Moving the goalposts, that's international. No, 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 no. So they would invite you to a media event in the UK, right? You would go, I never got invited, but I knew this, this is what happened. So you would go to a room in like London, you would watch the video stream of the event that's happening in Cupertino. And then after that, they would have, you know, Apple PR representation that you could chat to, do hands-on, et cetera, et cetera. That's 100% what's going to happen here, right? So they're doing the video. They're doing the main keynote for everybody. Fine. You what? You go there. You get in a nice little, I don't know, maybe they can seat you down in the... It doesn't actually say where in Apple Park you're going to be able to do this. Is it going to be outside? Is it going to be in the theater? Sure, surely it's Steve Jobs Theater. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe it's like you just sit outside on the grass underneath a nice rainbow, uh, <laughs> the rainbow stage. And they just Weather pending. <laughs> But yeah, presumably they're going to do it. They're going to invite you to the theater, right? So anyway, you come to the theater. Maybe, maybe Tim Cook comes out live and introduces, and that streams to everybody as well. I'm not ruling that out because I know I know the text specifically says watch the Kenneth State of the Union videos together. But sure. they could do like the first five minutes introduction, right? You can be like, "Welcome to WWDC!" Clap, 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 
and we are thrilled to have people you know in the audience and connect with our community as well from around the world club 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 then they switch to the video they play the video for two hours then the video ends and then tim cook craig federighi susan prescott you know all, all that jazz they descend on the people in the students and the developers in the room and presumably press as well that will get invited and they have a nice little hands-on if they're going to announce any new Macs, maybe they'll show them off there. Presumably, they're going to tease the Mac Pro at WWC because they already teased it at the spring event. So I'm not expecting them to like, you know, you actually better use it, but might be you might be able to look at it in a glass enclosure, you know, a nice little glass display case. Maybe there's the stu- the Pro Display XDR2, which has mini LED and stuff, so that can be on display. And then you go home. Like, you can't say there's not an in-person element. I specifically didn't mention the whole <laughs> keynote of the week would be online or it would be in person, but just... There'd be a media event for press. This is a media event for press. And I, I think of an event as like not to go watch a movie, but but to see a presentation. I and- mean, I can understand what you're saying, but I definitely thought of this eventuality when in what I was trying do you, to predict. Do you, do you consider this a hybrid uh, keynote or a hybrid WWDC? No, this is like a okay. taste. <laughs> okay, this this is like a this is like a this is like um the beginnings of the return right so i know a lot of people out there are like apple has had such a great success with virtual wwc they're just gonna do that every year well for a start 90 percent of what they did for virtual wwc they did every single year before covid as well because i was never invited i've never been to wc in person i know you have zach i've never been i've watched all the same session videos online as everybody else that doesn't go in person the only thing you used to not get online was the lab session so to talk to engineers you'd have to be in person get an appointment go and line up etc now in the post-covid times they do webex uh, labs which is great right but i don't see why in whenever it is safe that you couldn't go back to an input like a maybe a three-day wbcc which has you know the bash it has in-person labs maybe some other hands-on stuff that they do, you know, community event kind of thing. And then still all the sessions are streamed online. Like, they don't have to have a a schedule of, you know, going to a room to watch a video of the session. Like, that doesn't have to happen. But I think they could easily do a three- to five-day, like, get-together event because Apple wants a place where they can talk to developers and they can talk to their partners and, you know, and they want a, a sense of community. Like, if they didn't want any community, they wouldn't bother. Why, like, why are they bothering to invite people to a special day for developers and students to turn up if they're not interested in it? Clearly, they're interested in it. So this is, like, the starting point, right? So now it's 2022. COVID's dying down a little bit, not gone away. We can't risk it too much, but we're going to invite some people. I'm sure there'll be COVID tests, blah, 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 blah. You come, you know, you chill, you hang out. That's one day. If it goes okay, maybe in 2023, they can then do a three-day event. You know, like, I don't see this as the, this isn't the end of in-person. This is a bigger indication than ever that they're actually going to bring it back. (laughs) Uh, Do you think that the, um, a few few questions. Do you think that the Mac Pro, Mm -hmm. when when it moves to Apple Silicon, We'll have a new design. I was thinking about this the other day. My, my thought was it really doesn't need a new design. It isn't that um, – I mean, it, it, they work hard on the current design. I think people like it a lot. It matches the XDR, which yeah. can also be updated. But do you think that they'll do a new design for it? I think the design will be the same, but it might – like the form factor might be smaller, depending on expandability, right? Because presumably the Mac Pro is going to have some degree of expandability in its Apple Silicon form because otherwise it's not going to be too different from a – a studio that's just got a bit more power in it right so i think if it was just a, if it was just going to be a mac studio but with another you know 
M2 Extreme chip inside rather than an M1 Ultra. They probably could have announced it at the March event. I think that it's going to be something more distinct and special. We spoke about it in the show before, maybe they don't even call it an M chip generation. Maybe they call it like an X chip or something because it's like a super high tier workstation version, right? And that workstation chip has support that none of the rest of the Apple Silicon lineup has for PCI slots, external graphics cards, that kind of thing. So I assume that whatever Mac Pro, Apple Silicon Mac Pro they, they are about to unveil, it will be like the same, you know, tritophobic holes with the milled in concentric circles, the same metal, the same handles, but rather than being as tall as it is, maybe it's only half high or two thirds height because rather than having four PCI slots or eight PCI slots, they only have you know, two or, th- or well, three. That's, that's right? kind of the that's kind of the mark I remember is half height Mac Pro. That, that's, yeah, and that's not that that doesn't describe the Mac Studio. That's right. Yeah, because the 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 MPX slots, which are in the current 2019 Mac Pro, they're huge, right? They're ginormous because they're meant to fit these massive big graphics cards. And maybe the expandability in the Mac Pro doesn't address graphics at all. Maybe it's only limited to drives or connections or special peripherals that use PCI. Maybe it's still all integrated graphics. And so you don't need that massive space in the side of the of the tower for these big graphics cards. In which case, it, the Mac Pro would be exactly the same design as it is now, but shorter because it doesn't have to fit graphics card inside. That's what I'm expecting. I don't think they're going to do anything crazy with them. You know, like an, an M1 iMac style redesign. I mean, look at the Mac Studio. It's a pretty conservative design difference from the Mac Mini Pro, right? So from the from the Mac Mini. So just imagine that equivalent on the future Apple Silicon Mac Pro. Yeah, yeah. I have more questions, but um, I, I don't remember what they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, see, so so yeah, we don't know about price yet for WWDC. Do you, do you um, if you were in the US and mm-hmm. um, you lived across the country like I do, would you travel if, if you were invited? To, to what, go for this one special day to go watch the video uh, would i okay would i apply as a developer or would i go as a media person media uh would someone pay the the travel cost i guess what, I, what, what does go as a developer mean does that mean that you won the 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 scholarship contest kind of thing or is really no i think i think so so on this special day right is it, is it where you can get to California? watch the video in in apple park i think there's a an allocation of the number of people that can attend is for the students that win the student competition, right? Sure. And then there's a separate allocation of people that can just apply in the developer app. Um, and according according to Apple, space is limited. Details about how to apply will be provided soon. So, I mean, they haven't got much, they haven't got long since this in June, and people need to book like flights or whatever. Yeah, they're going to describe um, it during the commercial break of Monday night Friday night baseball. On Apple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if I was in the US. Would I bother to apply for this special day where I get to watch the videos in person? And obviously, they're going to like trot out Craig Federighi and Tim Cook. If I was nearby, sure. But if I was across the country, like where you live, or, you know, like if I had to fly the, a, a decent more than an hour, no, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to bother with that personally. Uh, if you want to and you, you, you know, you want to have a fun day out, and I'm sure they'll provide some nice food and you'll get a nice tour of Apple Park or something and go for it. But I wouldn't personally go just for that because just for one day it's crazy right and there's no way i'm gonna fly internationally just for one day that's insane uh if i was invited as media then there's more of a uh a propulsion to go because you want to be friendly with the apple pr folk right and so if 95 mac would pay the flight cost which i'm sure they would on uh, with that kind of basis uh then yeah i guess you'd make the trek but I don't think they're going to be inviting us anyway, so it's not really. That's more of an academic question. But I do think they're going to invite press because they're not going to have a little special day thing where they only have developers and students on scene. I and and what normally happens with WWC is 
even though it's more of a formality than a reality in the, in the COVID times, around the end of May, Apple would send out formal invites for WWC to be like, here's the keynote. It starts at 10 a.m. Pacific. We'd love for you to come. And obviously in recent times, that's just meant go on the website and watch the video. Yeah. In pre-COVID times, they would actually send invites like they do for any other media event out. And they would come at the end of May, even though all the developers have already applied from March or February or whatever. So yeah. I expect that will happen here too. Let's say they are going to see Jobs Theatre. That's what, 1,000 people? Let's say we'll cut it in half, 500, because that's already allocated to Apple employees. They can have 200 winners from the student competition, 200 winners, 200 applicants from just the general developer pool that have applied to go, and there's 100 people spare for press to turn up. So that's what I imagine is going to happen. I would I would go as press in the US, even have to fly across the country, because the appetite for in-person experiences is so strong right now after the last few years even though you're trying to deny me that this isn't an in-person yeah and i and i also i will say if if they do like in the presentation that everybody watches around the world for, for just you know just the keynote don't care about say the union or anything else but just this the keynote itself if there is you know tim cook's on stage that he, he introduces i mean they have to have somebody on stage to talk to the people in the crowd mm-hmm. i mean I, I mean, I guess they could just set everybody down. Just you know, you know what's happening. You hit play, then you leave, and people escort you out. But um, it seems it seems like it would be a missed opportunity not to have, um, or even just impolite not to have someone on stage introducing what's about to happen. And if they, yeah, if, I could imagine that like Tim Kirk, Craig Federighi are literally like in the front row of the theater watching yeah. the video, you know. Yeah. And then yeah. at the end, they stand up and everyone gets a nice little meet and greet situation. Okay, I'm, I'm warming up to your to your. Um, your stretch of a <laughs> you were right because it, it doesn't even say like as a morning or whatever the the quote in the press release is apple has a special day for developers and students at apple park so they're going to put on a they're going to put on a little like you know hustle hustle they're going to have a nice lunch and they're going to let you like talk to each other and and do your whatever you do and when you go to conferences where you're in a quote network and mm-hmm. then they'll be they'll trot out tim kirk and craig federic yeah, and joswiak will probably be there as well your favorite and he can have a nice little nice little say hello to them then you go and watch the uh the video then there's so basically the 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 general structure wc is the keynotes at 10 a.m and then the state of the union's at one right so you probably get invited there at nine, you queue up, you go and watch the video at 10. Then in that two hour period in between, you can have some lunch, you can do the the executive meet and greet. Then you go and sit down and watch the State of the Union video as well. Then after the State of the Union video is over, that's probably what, like three, three-ish. Then they'll probably have some like developer demos or that's when they might have any hands-on if there is any hardware to show, whether that's just a Mac Pro Tease or the Studio Display version or whatever else. Or even if it's just some demos of ios 16 features featuring some partners they've worked with right that's when they can do that then you can go home so they'll make a day out of it and if i if they if, let's say if they held one of these in london of course i'd go like why not um so i think it's cool like and i 100 percent believe this is presaging them returning to a more f- fully fledged in-person thing next year look if other companies are never going to do in-person conferences again i get that right apple they're the company that's Never? also trying to bring all their employees back home. As in, we're going to have that massive Ferrari next week. Because I believe April the 12th is when they're telling their employees have to start coming back in for one day one day a week in person, gradually working up to three days a week in person. So this is Apple. You know, they love in-person stuff. And the fact that they're so willing to do a one-day event in 2022 highly indicates to me they'll be doing a full event in 2023, assuming that COVID remains subdued. Yeah, I just sent you a, a message in uh, a Verizon message of the 
the entryway to Steve Jobs Theater from mm-hmm. March 2019. Look how crowded that is. Yeah, they're not going to let you do that. Yeah. It's not going to be like packed to the brims. It'll be incredibly <laughs> regimented, you know, walking with distance and or whatever and getting COVID tests on the way in and stuff. I'm Probably sure, no but... even like waiting period upstairs before you get yeah. to the theater. <laughs> it's true. Direct to your seats. Sit yeah. down, sit down, sit down. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's I think it's cool that they're even trying to do something. And, you know, Google I.O., they're having a slight in-person thing for the event as well, which again, I believe is going to be similar to this where they invite some people on site, they do some introductions on a stage and then they show a load of videos. So like... You know, Apple's not crazy. They're just, it's just the reality of the world right now. Yeah. Yep. All right. And then obviously WWDC is whenever Apple shows off iOS 16 uh, and the other software updates. Have we heard anything about iOS 16 yet in terms of like hard rumors? Cool. Nope. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's middle of April now almost. And like we have heard literally nothing, not even like weak rumors about what's coming up. And, And usually we get kind of a rundown. Yep. Of things by now. Yeah, either Leap by Us or Mark Gurman has a nice little like idea about the stuff that's going on. And it, do you remember in iOS 12 year, they obviously had the meeting in January where they're going to focus on performance of bug fixes. So that leaked out by February. Yeah, I think they've So normally we get a decent they've, idea about stuff, right? Yeah. And this year, nothing at all. Nothing they've, they've, at all. They've doubled down on secrecy. <laughs> okay, so I've said all my positive stuff about WWDC 2022. Here's my criticism. Okay. The artwork for this year is as dull as anything i think it looks it's cool. so boring no it's cool it looks nice it's not cool it's so boring like it's a, it's a battle cry you've got a circle you've got the swift logo in the middle and then you've got like a slight glow of purple pink and yellow it's hunger, it's hunger games-esque you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of the windows 7 logo no i don't know no. if you do you know do you remember that like where it had like the it was like the the, the windows logo in a bubble yeah, uh, no, I do know and, that. And Apple actually mocked that in a uh, WWC uh, Bertrand Soleil. You must have seen this video, right? Where he like, it's about, um, you know, Redmond start your photocopiers and they like show all these examples of uh, Windows Vista. I think it's probably Windows Vista, actually. Windows Vista compared to the Mac version of the time. And at the end, they show the Microsoft, lo- they show the Windows logo in the bubble. And he's like, at the end of the day, it's still just Windows. And they take the bubble away. That's 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 what this logo reminds me of. It's just like the Swift logo in a bubble. And like I love Swift. I program in Swift. WWC is not about Swift. It's about like the operating system. So I don't know why they've tried to make the Swift logo like the standard bearer for everything here. It's kind of weird. And it's just boring. Like it's just a, a icon and a circle. Like they can do much cooler artwork, but not not this. It's it's marketing. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. They could. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't look as cool. Call, like last year was cool. Code. They had the emojis. They had the laptops. Oh, like, I'm so over emoji and emoji and all that. I'm so glad this is something more prof- like you know fierce. It's definitely more professional, I guess. Call to call to code. That's the tagline. Cool to code. I just think they could have. It could have been a cooler logo. Anyway, hopefully, hopefully, uh, the actual operating systems are, have cool stuff in them, and this silence is not is not a forewarning of boringness. It's just secrecy. It's not boring. It's 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 thematic. They're gonna they're gonna uh, have this theatric trailer before um, the keynote. That's gonna tie into all of this. It's gonna be like Hunger Games style. It's even got the little the little glimmer on the on the Swift bird. I don't, I don't understand the um, the lighting in this simulated image because it's very you've dark. got yellow, you've got the rainbow on the left, you've got the pink on the bottom right, and then at the very bottom you've got nothing. The top corner you've got nothing, and then you've got a reflection of white through the Swift logo in the middle. So I don't really understand what they're trying to go for there, but it's a teaser. I don't yeah. Know. Well, anyway, that, that I, I'm all I'm down for WC22. Can't wait for it. Can't wait to see I was 16 and all the rest. Uh, 
hopefully they have better artwork by the time it comes out because they, they generally build up on it maybe it turns around and reveals something cool but as it stands today that was my criticism and I'm thrilled that I was wholly correct in the fact that there is in-person components yeah, so thank par- you very par- much partially correct I'm using yeah partially correct um, I think it's a coin and they're going to have Swift coin and it's going to be Apple's version of oh they're going crypto. to crypto <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, yep well hang on because actually later in the episode there's uh, some interesting developments kind of related to that area. Okay, let's take an ad break first. <laughs> Happy Hour This Week is sponsored by Upstart. If you're carrying the burden of high interest debt, perhaps that has multiple credit cards and only paying the minimums, you know, this is just a tough situation to ever see the light at the end of the tunnel. And often it can be even harder to ask for help. It's just a discouraging cycle. Well, that's where Upstart comes in. Upstart-powered personal loans can help you pay down high interest debt all online with simple and easy to understand payment terms. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, Upstart can help you get one fixed monthly payment with a clear and transparent payoff date. Upstart has already helped more than 1.8 million customers on their path to financial freedom. Rather than looking at just your credit score, Upstart's model considers other factors like your income, employment, and other information provided in your loan application to help you find a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000 without impacting your credit score. And you can receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Don't wait and check your rate today at upstart.com slash happy hour. That's upstart.com slash happy hour to check your rate today. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. One more time, go to upstart.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Upstart for sponsoring the show. Hey, Mayo, you, you can probably hear it in my voice that I'm coming through you to, to you from a new display. <laughs> I mean, I hope you're using the professional microphone for recording. but Yeah, I'm using the pro mics on the display. On the... <laughs> this, this week I bought the Apple Studio display as planned. Um, very, very... I, I drove like I drove like two and a half hours to go pick it up because on the day when I was ready to, to buy it, that's the closest there was one, and it was like um, it, it, I don't know in the in the U.S. at least Best Buy has got pretty pretty good inventory where they either have um, in stock like same day um, at, at some of the larger stores. So for me, that's like forty five minutes away. Um, on on the weekend, they. They did have stock, but on, on the weekday, they did not. But then there was a store like two and a half hours from me that did. And my options were order for two-day shipping, which would have been super reasonable, or um, you know, order from Apple for like a month shipping, which you know was out of the question, or you know, take, take a little road trip and go pick it up. And I did. I, I took the little road trip and picked it up. And it, it reminded me. This is one of those things where, you know, it, it, for me, ignore all of the reviews and all the, you know, whatever, whatever about the display. And it's just like a uh, an object of pride for me. I'm just happy that this thing exists. I'm happy that I can afford it because whenever the Thunderbolt display was a thing and any Apple display prior to that, I wasn't, you know, I couldn't, couldn't afford it. It wasn't in the question. It was, you know, it wasn't on the table for me. And so it, it kind of reminded me of 2009 buying my first MacBook Pro, which couldn't afford, but it was college. And so, you know, it happened. And, um, and this reminded me of that. And it's like, you know, if, I, if it wasn't for work, I, you know, well, A, wouldn't be able to afford it, but also like B wouldn't really have a reason to have yeah. it. And so it was pretty cool. Like, you know, 
the two hour drive over there. Uh, I, I listened to, I, I don't listen to happy hour very often <laughs> because we're on it, but, um, I did play back last week's episode and, um, her is talking about it and everything. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm, it's a good feeling. Um, and, and, uh, walked in, you know, and everything walked out with it. It was a very cool experience. The guy asked me, he's like, you know, this is just the standard display, right? Not the one that goes up and down. I'm like, mm-hmm, yep. And it's <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. And, um, yeah, drove back, set it up, and uh, I'm really happy with it. It's, 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 it's so the whole waiting for it to be a an open box discount uh, that went out the window pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, an open box. It was, it was um, they they had inventory, and when I was first considering that, like in in the store, but it's like you know that that it sold, and um, it was like one more day. It was like three days instead of two days, and the the, the difference was like eighty dollars. So it was like. And, you know, for the, for the excitement and everything, uh, um, I'm I'm plenty happy with my decision to take a little small road trip to go pick it up. And, and what were you using before? An uh, LG 4K or yeah, like, like over, over the last year, um, I've I've been like mostly whether it's iPad Pro only or MacBook Air only. I've been kind of a, a notebook environment only. Um, you know, like small, with, with no external plugged in at all. Yeah, like th- basically okay. like a 13 inch screen and for not like for eight hours a day but like you know when when we podcast i sit down at a desk or a table and i you know have a setup but other than that i'm just kind of all over the house or all over town um working and and i i did have the lg 4k ultra fine not not the 24 inch the 21 and a half inch and um it so that that's what i would use like at the desk and it was definitely like a a better you know (laughs) It, big, everything's bigger you've got more space yeah. you know it's it's just it for me it was defective because it had a pink border on the edges of it and that was just ugly to me and that, you know distraction um and it's just it, and it's it's a it's a good display like it's better than a non-retina display it's better than like a 1080p 21 inch display it's, i think to me it's better than a you know 32 inch 4k display because it's 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 that you know has the pixel per inch to be retina where it's very crisp um and for that reason like i can't get rid of it I, I thought about what I wanted to do with that display when I'm now that I have this one, uh, and I, I still think it's like it's it's too nice to get rid of because it is premium in a way that you know your run of the mill display is not because it is Retina, yeah. um, and so I'll yeah, like just, for everyone complains when we say like the the ultra fines are like rubbish or whatever. That's not obviously it's all relative, rubbish right? compared like, to Apple displays. Like yes, Apple. yeah, like you can get the two hundred dollar three hundred displays. They're fine. Even they're not rubbish, right? It's just relatively rubbish. They're they're fine. The LG ones are definitely a step above that. And then you know you're paying you're you're paying out of pocket for sure to get the premiumness of the Apple displays. But that's that's the gradation. Like the LG displays, if the Apple displays didn't exist, they were the best available. I mean, literally until until the Studio Display came out, the Ultra Fine was probably the thing that everyone would recommend, even though it was obvious that you know Apple could make a nicer version, which they've now done. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, I'll keep that one probably for some future, I don't know, maybe I'm not going to have it as like a second display because it does have that defect where the, 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 the edges are pink. It's like a light, it's like a light pink glow. It's not good, but, um, luckily most of the content is in the center, but, um, but yeah, for, for me, this is the, the display, you know, it, it didn't exist. It's, it's kind of like the, the, the Mac Studio where it didn't exist and all of a sudden it did exist except for the, the display we've. You know, you and I have talked about this thing. I know everyone in the community has wanted one of these to exist for a long time. Like, just you know, make the Thunderbolt display, make a Retina. You know, when, once the Mac went Retina in 2014, and they never did that. Um, and then they did the Pro Display XDR. You know, some of our colleagues bought them. I'm I'm 
happy that I never did. <laughs> and, uh, and, and other things out, and, and like, I, like I mentioned a moment ago, you know, for the last year, maybe year and a half, I've, I've, I've not had like a dedicated, just, this is my desk. This is where everything is, has a sense of permanence and it's, it's, um, you know, laid out for ergonomics and not just for, you know, portability and, and convenience. And so, um, about four months ago, I started developing lower back pain. And at first I thought it was like, I'm sleeping on the couch one night and then it never went away and it's gotten worse. And so I went to the doctor and went to physical therapy and now I'm doing like specific exercises to sort of uh, make it go away and like try to like reduce it. And, and, um, but you know, all, all of the, all of that, you know, what I know in my head is it's really like the source of it is just bad posture and, um, and, and the sum of that is I don't have a, a place in my home. You know, I haven't had one for a little while where I just, this is, you know, like it or not, you know, for the, for the better part of eight hours, this is where I will be and to, to make it the best it can be. Um, I've, I've just optimized for like comfort and convenience and not for, you know, any, any bigger picture uh, goal there. And so um, the display is like the first step in that of, okay, now I've got uh, a display that isn't just, you know, bigger than, than the built-in screen on my MacBook Air, but it's also something that I like. I get, I get joy from and take pride in. Um, I think it's a, a, a nice premium product and I'm, you know, you wouldn't recommend to like just anybody that needs a, a monitor for their, for their computer. But if you, you know, have, if you can appreciate it, you then you know who you are. And so uh, I like it for that. Um, and so I've taken this opportunity to also sort of put together like, okay, display is one piece of, of the, of everything. Let me also, um, buy a new desk. Cause I had, you know, I had a desk, but it wasn't anything, anything special. So, um, and, and years ago I had a standing desk that I enjoyed. I think I used standing part, maybe like 20% of the time, but that's more than zero. And I ended up giving that to my brother-in-law when I was moving and, and, you know, didn't want to move it with me. And so, so this time I've, I've purchased a, a new standing desk, um, an ergonomic chair with, uh, specifically with lumbar support, because that's where, you know, I get the most relief from this back pain that I've got. Um, I really like the look of the the silver and black Magic Keyboard with Touch ID, uh, Magic Mouse, and then the Magic Trackpad. But I also know as I'm like using my MacBook Air and I feel this tingle in my fingers and my wrists and like a little bit of pain and tinge, you know, that even though visually I think it's really cool and i've wanted that for a while and it matches everything perfectly you know i've got the silver macbook air you know silver and black all around um that practically isn't the best thing for me because <laughs> i can imagine using those things and still having some pain and just thinking oh this is annoying you know and so i ended up uh, purchasing an ergonomic mouse the logitech mx ergo wireless trackball mouse and I, it comes today so i haven't used it yet i used to use the mx master which is also, you know, it's it's compared to the Magic Mouse little, you know, sliver of a, of a of a mouse. It's also ergonomic, but I wanted since I have had that before, I wanted to try something different. So I've gone with this wireless trackball mouse to see how that that feels. Um, and that one, I'm pr- I'm pretty confident that I will like. I've also in in the keyboard space, I wanted to try some different things that I've just never tried before. So Logitech does have an MX like keyboard equivalent to the, the the mouse you can even buy them in pairs i think and i've had that before but didn't really love it it was more like this is this is like a you know a knockoff version of the apple stuff and it isn't that much more ergonomic and so for the keyboard i i 
I'm going to try a few things. Um, one is the Keychron K2, which is pretty popular in the Mac space because it, it's a wireless mechanical keyboard. Don't really care about like the mechanical part, like the sound and all that stuff. I'm like geeking out over the keys and everything, but um, it's, it's strictly for, you know, just to have a better ergonomic experience. Um, and I think that'll be kind of a, a cool compromise between the Apple keyboard and some of the more like dedicated ergonomic stuff. But I've also, I think I'm going to try a couple of other keyboards and just have them to, you know, decide which one I think is, is the best for me, but also just have maybe have the options around too. Um, the Microsoft Sculpt is, is a split keyboard and I think it's like $100 for the, the keyboard and like comes with a mouse or sometimes you can get it for like $80 out of the mouse, but um, that's a split keyboard and it's, you know, you get to remap the keys for, for Mac OS, but that isn't a problem because I've done that anyway um, with a keyboard I was using before. And so I'm going to try that out. And then through that search, I found one, a keyboard called Moonlander, which the name is what got my attention, of course, with the sort of space theme to it. But I think the company is called ZSA. And it's uh, they describe it as a next generation ergonomic keyboard. It's a split keyboard. Um, looks really interesting compared to in the way that the Microsoft Sculpt keyboard is like ergonomic split keyboard, but it also looks Microsofty. You know, mm-hmm. um, the Moonlander looks more like oh, this this is more futuristic. And and so if, you know, in the way that I think that like the the Apple Magic keyboard is like sleek and nice, but just not as ergonomic. You know, if if you were concerned about wrist pain, finger pain. Um, for long-term use, I think this Moonlander thing will be interesting. So that's that's the third keyboard that I've that I've discovered that I'm, I'm going to try out. But today the the Keychron arrives, so I'll try that out. Um, but all in all, I'm I'm looking forward to having in in the next few weeks time like dedicated office space, and I'll, I'll probably do a post. I've done a couple of posts over the years, and I'll put links in the show notes of like this is what I'm you know my office space that I'm working in and my desk arrangement, and I'm always happy to look back at those. And I just through the years, you know, moving and um you know, changing what I use and everything. I've just gone down to like the bare minimum of just a MacBook Air for the most part. And I'm, so I'm, I'm happy that with the display and then also the, you know, this this constant reminder in my lower back of like, I should really treat myself better <laughs> and be smarter about what I do um, to, put together, to put together a new uh, sort of workspace. And so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited for that. I'll, 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 I'll certainly do a, a story sometime in May of, you know, this is what I'm using and everything and what I think about all of it. But, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I also kind of geek out on just like people's Mac spaces, Mac setups. And like, on are you like into the office space? Yeah. Spying. Yeah. yeah. Like, like on, on, um, I, I was looking on apple.com just for, if you look on the, uh, on the studio display web website, there's no actual picture of the display in use on that like product page. It's all white space, you know, renders basically. But if you go to the Mac studio page, then there's, there's, because they're showing the Mac studio and the studio display, they show them in real environments. And I was, I was looking over there for just like some, some ideas of, you know, what are some cool looking spaces. And I, I saw that I, I sent out, I, I tweeted about it, but there's like this mug with like the, um, the cursing face angry emoji. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved that. Um, but on, on Reddit, um, r slash Mac setups is, is a place I've always gone to look for ideas and, and Pinterest and things like that. So, um, I, I love, you know, interesting Mac spaces and, and I'm looking forward to putting one together. Uh, and then lastly, on the topic of all of this, you know, if, if you, if you don't use, well, let's say, so for my, my, my Mac is the MacBook Air. I'm plenty happy with it for now. Um, has Touch ID. I use Touch ID on it whenever I'm, you know, using it as a, as a MacBook. 
I plan to use it in, in clamshell mode whenever I'm using it as like a desk setup. Right now, it's I've, I've got no keyboard or mouse attached to to the display, so it's just the MacBook to the display, and so I'm using it like half closed with the display all the way off, and the main display output being the the studio display. And so I'm using the keyboard and trackpad on the MacBook Air for today, um, but I plan to use it closed. And um, you know, when you do that, you don't get Touch ID. And um, our, our friend uh, Chaos T on Twitter he tweeted out this week that it's possible to remove the components and touch ID key of a magic keyboard from Apple, connect it over lightning and, and actually use it as the touch ID button. Um, I'm not going to go that route, but I think it is. Cool. <laughs> I think it is cool as a concept that you can do that. It's pretty interesting. I've, I've seen some other papers where like stick a keyboard underneath the desk. So you like place your finger underneath the desk to unlock or something. as like a alternative hack for that. That's an interesting idea. Like, I agree with you. I love the Apple keyboards, um, and I've used them forever. And I, I currently have I, I have an older version, the Touch D one, but I have Touch D on the laptop, right? But and I use my laptop in open because I have a display that goes above the laptop display. Uh, but if I did go, if I was using it clamshell, I probably would have bought an Apple display with Touch ID by now because it's just very convenient. However, in the very recent weeks, I'm also falling or succumbing to the aging body and my. I'm definitely starting to get RSI in my hands because, like, when I'm going to bed, I can, like, feel the tingling in the wrists and like, I'm just sitting there and I can just feel it. I'm like, oh, dear, this is the the slow reminder that now I should probably be taking more care of my ergonomic environment. So I'm moving, fingers crossed, in the next couple of months and that's when I'm going to be setting up a new office space and everything. And so when that happens, I guess I'm just going to be super conscious about ergonomics and stuff, which probably rules out using an Apple keyboard. Because as much as I like how they feel and how they look, they aren't the most ergonomic option. So, unfortunately, that is going to be something that I'm going to have to divorce myself from, uh, sadly. Because I do love the Apple keyboards, but they're not they're not great for ergonomics. I mean, the, too, the good news flat. is is that you can get some pretty nice looking. I, I think like the Keychron thing is like the 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 nicest looking without trying to be, you know, weird or or, yeah. or, like, or like a lot um, of a keyboard. I mean, I have a weird psychology. Where it's like. If I'm going to scrap the nice looking one, i.e. the Apple one, then I might as well just go for the most weird, most ergonomic one sure, instead, like sure. rather than going for like some weird middle ground. But I haven't decided yet. And obviously what you uh, end up on will definitely inform my buying purchase for sure. If you like the Keychron, if you like the Microsoft Skullpile or the Moonlander even, I'll have you, definitely, have, have definitely you seen, listen. Have you seen the Moonlander? No, I, I will look it up because it, sound, it sounds cool. Let me put it that way. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Who yeah. wouldn't want a Moonlander? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> And just to close the book on the studio display for this week, again, another week goes by. No firmware update. No. Actually, uh, I can mention it because when the show comes out, it'll be it'll be out. But um, yesterday I had an invitation from Apple PR to attend a you know a, a news briefing, and I thought, huh, I haven't I haven't been uh, involved in one of these in a little while because I'm you know other people do more day to day writing on the site and everything. And so I was thinking, huh, the, the one thing I have written about mainly for the past, you know, few weeks is, is the display. So maybe this is going to be the update about the display. Like they're going to talk about the camera news, the, yeah. the, the, the camera news. And so, and that was just, you know, confirmation bias. I'm like, this is a one to be, surely it will be. And then it wasn't, you know, um, it hasn't happened yet, but, but uh, by the time this episode's out, it will happen and i believe it's it's app store news one of those you know like typical annual 
you know, outside group looks at the app store and, and here's all the things that we think we do, we do good about the app store and why our regulators bothering us. And that's like the opposite <laughs> for me. It's like, I really don't care. I don't want to do your, your bidding, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, uh, you know, you know, we, I now have experience with the webcam as well. And, um, Hmm. I don't know. I, it, the part with, um, with, with, uh, center stage, I think is for me, center stage has been just fine. Like I've used it on the, uh, on the iPads before, I I use it on the 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 latest iPad Pro when it first came out, so I had a lot of experience in that. And I was even using it attached to the LG 4K external display, and so I kind of had an experience with like the desktop use of Center Stage, and had a pretty good experience with that. Like you know, here's this at the time like my setup was near the kitchen, and I can like move around and like cook and everything, and I was still like in focus and you know the center of of the the video call. Um, with with this, uh. I th- you know, it's just, it's that much better because it's the iPad doesn't have to face a weird way and you can angle the, the screen better and everything. Um, so I think for, for me, center stage is just fine. Uh, and then it's like, you know, bottom line for me on webcam quality is it's, it's just meh, you know? And because it's a big screen, you're looking at your own image. It's really meh. That is definitely a factor because like yeah. people go, oh, the iPad camera is better or whatever. And it is, but also you're only ever looking at it on a, 10 inch 12 inch screen not a full screen on a 27 inch monitor you know so it's yeah. definitely that's definitely a component of the complaints but you i mean we were doing a video call before we started recording this and there's definitely software improvements they can make like i'm not expecting it to be like a whole new camera and you know like i don't think it's going to look crazy different but contrast ratio skin smoothing like it does feel like it's just generally being overprocessed, and some firmware stuff could could chill out on that a bit and uh, our better. Our backgrounds were sharper than our ourselves. Yeah, on both of our cameras and yours. Is yeah, I mean, I I have a very similar commentary about that on the Mabra Pro webcam. Like, I can see the the like the wall is sharper than like my skin. It's like it like sees the skin and it just like blows it out to be like a piece of plastic, and it's mm-hmm. like oh, it doesn't really need to look like that. <laughs> so hopefully, I mean, if whatever firmware update they do on the studio display uh, improves the Mabra Pro webcam as well, but. We'll see. We'll see. Like, I, I definitely think the, uh, the rumors that oh, the, the, the in, the internal cameras always look better, and it was just a mistake in production, probably doesn't ring true. And it's now been what, like, almost a month since they announced the studio display, and the, the software update to quote fix it still isn't available. Like, you think if it was just that kind of mistake, it would already be done. Uh, but no, we're, we're still waiting. Yeah. Oh, oh. Another thing I was, I, was um, I thought about too is is when I I do use the MacBook Air in clamshell mode of the display, you know, you no longer have the microphone active because I think when you shut it, it, it doesn't physically disconnect mm-hmm. now. Um. So if you're doing that, you you don't get the microphone on the MacBook Air, and I don't I, I don't I don't I don't use the um the Hey and Siri feature on the on the Mac. I don't really use Siri in the Mac much, uh, if at all, but. It did occur to me though that because of the A13, because they are putting the the Hey and Siri feature on the display itself, primarily so that you can have that function on any Mac, even if you, you it doesn't support that feature. Um, that also means that in clamshell mode, I can still use it on my MacBook Air because the display is what's running that process and not the MacBook Air, which would have the dis- the microphone physically disconnected. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. Last point on this is is I, I I'm pretty certain that like the inevitable inevitable end to all of this is that um once I, this has happened before too this is how i got my first mac mini is that i have a macbook air and then i build out you know sort of like a workspace around it 
and I have everything for a standalone Mac environment except for a desktop Mac, and I end up then getting a desktop Mac. And so, and, and that that's that's been pretty good in the past. Like that, like I said, that's literally how in 2013 I got my first Mac Mini because I built everything on the MacBook Air, and then I was like, you know, if I just had a Mac Mini, I would I wouldn't need the MacBook Air to be here. You know, it could be my in my bag or whatever. And um, so I I do I do have a sense of this is that like you know in a few months time whatever oh, you live the Mac Studio <laughs> I, I don't have my Mac Studio but like I mean probably just because of the like the <sighs> just because I wouldn't want to have the same or even like an M2 version of of the same computer because I feel like M2 to M1 is gonna be pretty similar but yeah. if you look at M M1 versus M1 Pro you know that that's pretty reasonable. Of, of a difference, you know, to have a well, maybe when the M2 Mac Minis come out, they might offer like a M2 Pro Mac Mini potentially. Yeah, because I, I think they want to. I think they want to wipe out the the Intel uh, options on the Mac Mini line. So maybe there's going to be a higher spec Apple Silicon Mac Mini when they do the Gen twos. So. Yeah, that's true. Do they, do they do an SD card slot on the back of the Mac Mini? Oh, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't think so. Huh. Hmm. I could be wrong. I'd, I'd look it up, but I think they, I think they do. But I mean, maybe they do. That's one of those things without looking it up. Maybe we're, one of us is wrong, at least. But um, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. To, I, I've never cared for that many too much. But yeah, that's that's a good point, though. Um, I mean, I mean, for me, I guess the upgrade would be um, to have it like the the main work environment have more. Because I'm, I mean, I'm using like the base MacBook Air, and it's 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 totally okay. Um, but you know, you're only going to improve your experience if you increase your RAM and storage and everything. So um, and, and you know, processing power. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably inevitable is to have the, a, the Mac mini does not have an SD card slot. Ooh, ah, I, I apologize. So, yeah, but that, that isn't something that I, I you know, I'm kind of like making purchases based on priority and I, I probably jumped a few things with the display, but it also is, <laughs> it, is it is, it is like for the, the display is the coolest and mm-hmm. it's just come out. Right. Whereas yeah. the 2020 Mac mini is, at this point, quite old, and we're expecting the Gen twos to come out, but sometime this year, which would be yeah. a better better time to jump in on the Apple Silicon desktop side mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. Yep. Happy Hour this week is also brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business owner, you're just juggling so much stuff at once all the time, and you don't want to waste time interviewing people who just aren't qualified for your role. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier for you to find the candidates that you actually want to interview and ultimately hire faster and for free. You can create a free job post in just minutes using LinkedIn Jobs and your post will reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. And when you add your job post, you can add the job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word even more to signal that you're hiring and boost the reach across your personal network so they can help you connect to the right people too. LinkedIn Jobs also has simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience for what you're looking for. So you can target the most qualified applicants and quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires compared to the leading competition. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour. That's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring the show. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, Next up, we have some updates around sort of like this could be like WWDC level stuff, but it's before. (laughs) 
is <laughs> um, a story this week. I think it was in TechCrunch about um, I think the Disney Plus app specifically has been using uh, a special rule from the app from Apple that is different from what everyone else in the app store can have. And Apple's acknowledged it as a, as a pilot. But what it is is for everyone, if you increase the price of your subscription through in-app purchase on the app store, you you have to have the customer reconfirm that they want to continue their subscription. So you can't subscribe for something for $10. The developer changes it to $15 and you automatically keep making that payment. You have to say, you know, it's went up by $5. So you have to re-opt into it. Otherwise it'll cancel on you. Um, for <laughs> for Disney, apparently it, it hasn't been the case. It's been, if we increase the prices, you don't lose your subscription and you just keep paying more whether you like it or not. Um, and Apple's now acknowledging that at least as like a pilot program. What's the what's going on there? Yeah, so this was noticed on Twitter originally from a developer who said that they've seen their Disney Plus subscription price increase, uh, and they didn't get the opportunity to confirm the price increase, and they had subscribed through Apple's in-app purchase system, not via Disney Plus payment. Um, TechCrunch reached out to Apple. Apple said, we are piloting a new commerce feature that we plan to launch very soon. The pilot includes developers across various app categories and regions to help test an upcoming enhancement that we believe will be great for both developers and users. Which is obviously trying to head off the idea that they're like special casing their favorite friends <laughs> in the in the wake of all the antitrust stuff, right? Which uh, I never really like. That's whatever. Um, anyway, they could have they could have announced this just as a feature for the for members of the App Store video partner program and it wouldn't really make a difference. Which is how like but... the Amazon special treatment Seems, originally seems, came around yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly uh, the thing that people mostly seem to be getting in a uh, a tiff about this is the idea that oh apple you know services apple all they care about is money so now they're just making it so easy for the for these apps to just eke money out of you because now they don't even have to get approval for the price to go up and that is one way of looking at it the other way of looking at it is just that the apple subscription system was pretty conservative uh, in the fact that it did require in confirmation of price increases because the entire rest of the industry does not work this way like sure. netflix picks up its prices what does it do it just sends you an email saying the price is going up you can you can cancel if you want but from next month the price is up two dollars and that's the same across the board and so apple was kind of the odd one out here where they had like an incredibly defensive uh system that probably was causing it was definitely causing uh companies not to raise their prices uh, because they were scared that the conversion rates on the reconfirm email were going to be low so then they just lose customers and even though those customers probably would be fine paying the higher price but they just wouldn't bother to see the email they wouldn't get the email or they wouldn't click on the right button in the email um comparatively to other payment platforms where they don't have that worry because they can just put the price up and they can tell you and like it's it when 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 the legal stuff came out between apple and netflix about the fact that netflix was going to leave in that purchase and Apple did all those surveys to show that uh, why they should stay. And Netflix was like, look, our conversion rates aren't high enough. We can have more control. We don't have to pay the money. One of the um, one of the stickling points was about trial conversions to paid. And I feel like this is kind of in that same vein where it's like Apple's probably heard from big companies that they are less likely to use in that purchase going forward, especially when they get more opportunity to use their own payment system, such as using the, you know, the reader apps, the external payment uh, API if these kind of changes aren't made such that their performance metrics can match in that purchase, uh, their, their own 
external payment system metrics can match in at purchase. And one area where that is probably definitely true is this: the fact that when the price goes up, Apple uh, can't. Uh, Apple requires the customer to get confirmation. Like, the, 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 I think the real truth is that Apple too wants to put its prices up and not and not have like Apple wants to put the prices up of its own services and not have customers have to reconfirm the high prices because I think it's not like if you've already agreed to pay somebody X amount of dollars a month and then it, after three or four years it goes up two dollars a month I don't think it really needs explicit opt-in requirements to do that maybe Apple should have like a, a preference in settings where it's like always ask me to check price increases but I don't feel particularly offended that the new default is going to just be the price goes up and and you get you get emailed about it, but you don't. If you want to cancel, you have to go into settings manually. Like I don't think that's a crazy a crazy situation. Yeah, they have an option where you can say for subscriptions to not receive the receipt every month, uh, which is which is I mean all, all of it is like you know there's like some level of trust in that this will never be so insane that I will turn this off. You know, let's just say Apple Music for example. You you sort of trust Apple that they're not going to change the price from. You know, base ten dollars a month to base a thousand dollars a month. You know, and and that's probably true for the App Store too, because any, anything in the App Store, Apple's going. If Apple sees that you change the price from something low to something crazy, then it wouldn't get approved. So there, there, you can probably, uh, you know, you can have some trust in in that. It, just for it, for convenience sake. I mean, the the receipt thing is strictly convenience. It, it's that I don't want to be bothered by these things every single month, um, and. That, I think I'd probably choose that same thing for for increased subscription prices. And of course, with that, you do want to be notified about it. You do want to know. You just don't want to have to opt in or, or else you lose access to your service. You know that that would feel kind of like whenever you run out of storage on your email service and it just stops working and you don't know about it until you realize you don't have email for a week. Yeah, let's say Apple Music is currently nine ninety nine. Let's say it's going up to eleven ninety nine. Would I expect Apple to send out emails to every Apple Music subscriber saying your price is going up? Make sure you log in here and click this button to confirm the price increase. Or would I expect them to just say, "Look, your price is going up" in a nice email? Uh, you can continue to enjoy our services, which is exactly what every other media service does on the planet. It's probably going to be the latter, and res- making developers go through the onerous process, which is more customer friendly, but it isn't really in- aligned with the industry is i don't think i can get too angry about that i do think apple should do a better job of upfront when you do subscribe within a purchase showing you the real cost because this would help cut down on the scamminess of like weekly subscriptions especially for all those like weird games and stupid apps or like the the fake heart rate monitors and like you click a button and then it's like you get a seven day free trial and then you have to look really, really closely in that little payment sheet. And it's like starting April 7th, you'll get charged five ninety nine a week or all, something all insane. All the things like, that without parental controls, my kids would drain me quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. Th- those payment sheets need to be a lot more clear. Like the, uh, the initial, here you go, you're starting a subscription. It needs to be way more obvious what the monthly price is, what the free trial period is, what the monthly price over a year will cost you. So you get the upfront commitment and you're not going in blind you're not like you've got to stop people from just pressing buy 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 without actually reading what they're buying right because that not only is it customer friendly it also leads to the scammy issues uh that we've seen time and time again in the app store and one of the best ways to stop the scams from happening is to stop people from being able to fall for the scams in the first place similarly with this email thing about subscription price increases let's say the price is only going up 10 percent, 20 percent, 30 percent. i think it's perfectly fine Put the price up, send out an email, the price is going up. That's with the new renewal done. You can cancel if you want to. If the price went up by like double 
or triple or you know anything extreme then sure you can get a confirmation on the price change but if it's only going up a small amount i don't think it's unfair for apple just to bring their service in line with what every other company does including probably apple's own service subscriptions uh so that's probably what's happening as we go into a world where in-app purchase has to more closely compete with third-party payment systems you're going to get the rough with the smooth you're going to get the nice parts where apple makes a really nice customer friendly experience but you're also going to get the parts where apple just has to make their payment system as compelling to a enterprise as anybody else and that includes stuff like conversion rates on subscription price increases so here's here's one of the fallouts and then ios 15.5 actually came out this week so we're back in the beta train we're back on the beta lifestyle the the beta came out right yeah yeah the beta yep uh there isn't any crazy new features, but there are a couple of curious ch- changes that maybe signal something bigger's coming. And this kind of refers back to the old uh, Swift Crypto <laughs> joke that we had at the start of the show. Because in iOS 15.5, there are now request and send buttons for Apple Cash in the wallet app when you click on your Apple Cash card. The physical Apple card has now been branded Titanium Card. Uh, in the Messages app, the little Apple Pay Messages app now explicitly has been renamed to Apple Cash with the new Apple Cash logo. And the iTunes Pass, which is the thing that holds gift card credit in the wallet app, that's being rebranded to Apple Account Card. So all these things in the area of like Apple Payments, Apple Pay Cash, a lot of interest there. And we've spoken about this on the show before quite a lot of the time. Apple does these like small to medium changes in their software that then predict a new services initiative or a new thing they're doing, whether it's like you know, sports and the TV app or meditation and that uh, Fitness Plus, like uh, Apple Pay, Apple Card originally when they did the big overhaul to the wallet app. Like this happens time and time again. And in 15.5, there seems to be a lot of changes related to just this. So I'm wondering, and we haven't found exact like evidence of this, but yet, but maybe 15.5 is also going to bring something new, like customer facing service or feature to the Apple Pay experience. Now the options are, it could be, tap to pay so instead of doing iMessage Apple Pay Cash you could do NFC tapping like they're you know like the SDK they've already brought out for third party platforms or maybe the other like rumor of the moment is the um the buy now pay later service from Apple where basically anything you buy with Apple Pay you'll also be able to buy on a loan from Apple instead so either of those options seem like possible candidates maybe it's something else entirely but I thought I wanted to flag that up because it's like there's like four different bullet points here about minor changes to the Apple Pay Cash experience that probably predict something more major coming in alongside this release. Okay. And the other random thing is that in the Home app now, if you click on a HomePod and you go to the Wi-Fi settings area, before it only tell you a network name, now it has the Wi-Fi signal strength as well. So if you just need to be able to check that you're... Like, this comes up a lot with um, mesh networks where... Say if you put a HomePod in between two mesh nodes, so like two mesh routers, but really you want it to be connected to the close one, but it, you don't. You'd before you'd never know if it was connected to the close one or the one that was far away because the network name is always the same. Now you can actually get a nice indicator with network bars, so you can be confident that it's actually connected to the right router in the house. So <laughs> the 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 tiniest of tiny change, but a pretty nice change. HomePod Pro confirmed because I'm making a change. I mean, that's your role, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, n- not for every single change they make, but and this one probably doesn't meet the bar of, of changeworthiness, but at least it shows that they're still interested in the HomePod to some degree because they added captive network support in the last update. Now they're showing you Wi-Fi signal bars. And we do believe they are working on new HomePod hardware eventually. So 
least at least they're investing in it in the smallest way possible. But at least for fifty point five, I think Apple Pay Cash definitely there's smoke when there's fire. Or wait, there's fire when there's smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and for the for the for the HomePod Wi-Fi thing, it, it, you know, if you're doing support and you know Siri says hold the line and then never answers you, then you can say, well, how many bars do you have? That's your problem. Yep. So makes sense. Fine this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by Coda. Working from home is so good. Obviously, me and Zach have been doing it for as long as we can remember for 95 Mac, but I'm also completely remote with my app development contract work as well. All you need is a laptop and decent Wi-Fi to get your job done. It's it's such a luxury. But work from home also means collaborating with others that are spread out around the world. Uh, In my app dev work, I communicate with people in the US, in the UK, Australia, on a near daily basis. When you're working with people separated by country, continents, and time zones, you really need great tools that can keep everybody on the same page and focused on the task at hand. Now, there's various solutions out there to help make this cross-collaborative work manageable, but the best might just be Coda. Get started at coda.io slash happy hour. If your team's best work is spread out across handfuls of documents and spreadsheets and a huge stack of separate workflow tools that you have to bounce in and out of all day long, then look instead at Coda. It will unify and simplify your work. Coda brings everything together into a single doc. And it's endlessly customizable. It has templates for everything. Product roadmaps, remote onboarding, objective tracking, meeting notes. Whatever you need, Coda has it. And it makes it super adaptable to changing needs of your business and team. You can change the view of your data based on the exact task that you're doing at a particular time. And the information in Coda seamlessly integrates with all of the enterprise tools you need. Everything that you put in a Coda doc is synced and saved. Make an update in a table and it automatically shows up everywhere else. Your team can operate on the same information and collaborate quickly and efficiently. So with Coda, you can solve for just about anything. And right now you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. Head over to coda.io slash happy hour. That's spelled C-O-D-A dot I-O forward slash happy hour to get started for free. One more time, coda dot I-O slash happy hour. Thanks to Coda for sponsoring the show. All right. It's time for a Friday night baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, as of recording, Apple has still uh, not revealed the exact host lineup or any other details apart from the fact that it begins tomorrow. Uh kind of feels like they're flying by the seat of their pants a little bit there are actually now rumors about the lineup apparently it's going to include people called Melanie newman chris young steven nelson and hunter pence i don't know who any of them are but presumably if you're in the mlb world you might recognize some of those names and apple will hopefully confirm that before the first broadcast which uh would, would feel like they actually know what they're doing but my main point on this is that as of thursday uh, the friday night baseball sections have begun showing up in the tv app you can find them by going to like the originals tab and then you scroll down and there's like a section for Friday Night Baseball. If you're outside of the US in the like eight countries where you can get it internationally, you can only see the schedules for the upcoming live games. So there's two games every Friday for every day of the season. You can tap to play. If you're inside the US, you get more of a bigger like hub of content with archives and 24-7 live streams and stuff like that. But it all falls foul to the same problem that TV apps had for months or practically years. It's just the organization's terrible. The navigation's terrible. How have they exposed this? It's just one more row of content in a carousel in the originals tab, which means if you want, if you're interested in the MLB, if you're interested in baseball, you have to scroll, 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 scroll to find it. 
If you're not interested in baseball, now you have to scroll, scroll, scroll all the way past it to get to more content that you actually might want to watch on Apple TV+. Plus. Like, Apple doesn't have that much content. They've got 100 TV shows at this point, a few dozen movies, uh, the MLB stuff. They don't have loads. They don't have thousands. They don't have tens of thousands. But even with just the hundreds, it's enough that the current TV app design is just way over. It's just not fit for purpose. You can't just keep adding rows and rows of content that you have to scroll past every single time to find what you want. Like, you want to find a particular kid show and you don't know the name of it, you have to scroll and tap through. And, like, it needs more hierarchy. It needs more organization. I hope they're working on it. They keep adding like little features that are improvements, but the overall app just needs a much a much bigger and kind of comprehensive rethink on how stuff is laid out because you can't just keep adding every single bit of content to Apple TV Plus as another row because it just becomes so untenable. Like it's literally at breaking point and I hope they have bigger changes on the way. Uh I've yet to been shown any evidence that it's happening, but I can keep complaining and I can keep hoping. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of people tomorrow and in the weeks to come complaining that they can't find MLB because it's just hidden. And if you didn't know where to find it, you'd have to scroll down. Then maybe you do find it, but you don't find all the archive content. Like, it's just a big mess. So that is my weekly complaint about the TV app. Awesome. And on the website, because you can see uh, the stuff at tv.apple.com, the website is also still the single page with no navigation or tabs of any kind or a search bar you just get the row to watch the live games. So the minimum possible solution, which I guess is what I should have predicted from the beginning instead of getting hopeful that they were going to do something more (laughs) significant. One nice little feature they have added is now in the TV Plus tab, you have a most popular now section. So before there was a trending um, category, but that was in the watch now tab and it included content from everything the TV app includes, right? So store content, TV Plus, other Apple TV channels. Now in the TV Plus tab, they have a dedicated um, most popular now carousel which just shows you popular content and of course ted lasso is at the top of the list but other stuff like severance and um the slow horses and stuff that's currently around there but it's nice to have like an actual just here's the stuff that's most popular on the service uh, it's a nice it's a it's a good way of discovery because most of the other tabs in the tv app are like curated by humans but you do need a bit of you know algorithmic variety just to when people come to the service they can see what they actually want to see you know and going by trending or most popular is a great way to do that so it's nice that that's added in there now on a kind of tangent tangential note as apple launches into mlb in april starting april 8th they actually now they they seem to be like really ramping up on just sports content in general because in in april alone they now have three sports documentaries including two on the same day so on april 22nd or sorry april 24th they have they call me magic which is the magic johnson documentary series and they have The Long Game, which is a documentary series on uh, basketball player Maka Maka. Uh, and then on April 29th, they've got a docuseries on extreme surfing. So in April, they now have three docuseries, two launching on the same day, and they have more to come as well throughout the rest of the year. So they seem to, as in, alongside the live content sports stuff, they're also now actually starting to roll out their kind of nonfiction sports stuff as well. So good, good timing, I think, for that, because if you can keep people in for one sport they're probably interested in other sports content too and then apple last week announced prehistoric planet which is really exciting on my behalf just on a pure content side because mostly in this section we talk about like the the tv plus app and stuff we don't talk about content so much but i've been waiting for a cool like modern dinosaur documentary series for literally years apple picked up this order in 2019 and then it kind of went quiet for a while because you know cgi and documentary series stuff just takes ages but now it's coming out in April. It's a 
fully CGI rendered dinosaurs, T-Rex, Degasaurus, the works, uh, narrated like documentary series about nature, about the prehistoric period. It's the Jurassic period. Oh, sorry, the, Creta- the Cretaceous period, the, the last days of the dinosaurs, narrated by David Attenborough. It's so good. It's, it's like planet Earth, but with CGI dinosaurs instead of like, you know, video of actual creatures. So I'm, I'm down for that. Can't wait for that. It comes out in May. And interestingly, it's Apple's first release where they're doing, um, like a like a week event so i did so you get one episode on the monday one episode on the tuesday one episode on the wednesday one episode on the thursday one episode on the friday so five part docuseries premiering cool. one per day yeah so i'm so excited for that and severance has been ready for season two i like severance i haven't finished it yet i know you're further ahead than me uh i think it's a cool show it seems to be one of apple's most popular uh relatively series in terms of audience general audience i've seen lots of people on twitter talking about it for instance um, so that's cool. That's been season two, and I know Zach, you're enjoying We Crashed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those are my two weekly watches right now. I guess it is, um, as we're recording tomorrow is the last episode of Severance, right? This is the mm-hmm. finale. Yeah, mm, I'll miss it uh, until the second season, I guess. In Severance is like it's, it, it, I loved the first three episodes, and then on the weekly watch, I, I got a little bit less into it because it was slower and just less progression. But I think as a binge, it would be delightful and so that's that's part of the apple tv premiere and i've heard it's kind of spe- it's like increased the pace again with the last couple of episodes is that fair to say or not yeah it's fair to say yeah yeah that's, that's one of those things where if you're like watching a, a new series on apple tv plus then you have to wait and if you know versus the netflix dropping everything all at once so the most part uh but but of course if you watch it after it's been out for a couple of months then you can just binge anyway i think severance is probably something i, I would enjoy more as a binge um we crashed though. I'm gonna miss when that's gone, and I don't think that'll get a second season either. <laughs> like, yeah, because that's that's. I mean, that's like a close story, really. Yeah, yeah. But but we crashed. Um, it's it's like it. You know, if you if you don't mind rich people losing money, I guess it's like it, it's it's really delightful. Like it's it's a, it, to me, it's kind of a, it's it's weirdly a feel good show. Like I watch it, it's like. <laughs> It's just, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoy it. It's obviously about WeWork and um, Adam Newman and um, his his rise and fall as as founder and, and CEO. And um, just, I mean, it's basically about a CEO who basically gets gifted so much money, yeah, that's unreal, and he basically just has free reign to do whatever whatever he wants with it. Yeah. And rather than you know gradually building up a business, he literally just takes that to heart and just spends it in the most insane ways possible yeah and, and not like obviously. and not like 100 like i'm taking this money i'm just gonna be like blow it on myself but like you yeah like put it into the I, I know a lot of people have been um saying it's like in the whole like scammer category or you know like true crime stuff like for me we crashed isn't really because like it, the investor the main investor which is this um japanese guy uh from softbank he like gave him the money he's like you need to be crazy and <laughs> adam newman literally just was crazy and he spent all the money and he did what he did. He didn't like scam them. He didn't, you know, just take the cash in like some sort of like coup or, you know, clever crime. It was just a kind of unhinged CEO being wild. And that led to, you know, the the crazy valuation they had for a while. And, that, and then obviously it's going to all collapse. But And if you were a WeWork customer at the time, it isn't like you were being fleeced either. Right. You, you were yeah. actually getting just like a way better deal. Yeah. Than, what, than what the market could actually sustain like you know do you, do you want this do you want this uh rental for free for a year and yeah. have it and all these like infinite perks like like now we work you know as an actual business that you know people adults control 
couldn't couldn't do that, you know. But at the time, like you you were kind of getting it pretty good, unless you like you know ignoring like all the cultural stuff, which is a problem in any company, I think. Um, but yeah, I really yeah, I've been, it. I've been enjoying We Crashed as well. I'm, I'm yeah. up to date. It's yeah. good, and it's the first show uh, that I've seeked out the podcast for more because Wondery did the podcast originally, I think, and then they got a second season, which is like based. It's it's um it's each episode, you know, more about each episode, and I've really enjoyed that. And then just this past week, I've looked at, looked at the soundtrack for We Crashed because like the music, it, it the music is um. I think that's another reason why it's kind of a feel good show for me. Cause it's like, it's almost like Pixar. Like, like um, it reminds me of the the soundtrack for inside out. I don't know if you're into that, that movie, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, if, if you like to, if you like to like focus on something with like some, some nice, like, you know, music in the background without, without words, it's one of those things. So um, only, only thing about my only complaint about the show, like I'm, I'm a fan of Jared Leto um, and Hathaway Um you know, no complaints about the, about the show itself, but uh, it's ruined uh, Katy Perry roar for me. <laughs> <laughs> and on the soundtrack, there is like a strings version of roar. And when it came in, it broke my focus. So I might like make a playlist without that song on it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the last thing I wanted to mention this week in, in the TV space is um, I, like months ago, I canceled Paramount Plus uh, through the Apple TV channels feature. And originally I was paying for CBS access through Apple TV channels. And then they did a bundle with Showtime where it was like for the same price. If you have Apple TV, then you get Showtime for free essentially. And um, then, then that became Paramount Plus is like one thing, you know, but I canceled that a long time ago because I was just like, like slimming down on number of subscriptions. And it, and I, you know, even as a, as a pretty good bundle, it didn't, didn't make sense for me anymore. Um, also just like, t- like focus of time as well. Um, and I didn't realize it, but, but I was signed in on my dad's TV and I was visiting this week and he still has it. And I was, my, my son loves the Sonic movie and it's on Paramount plus. And so I, I was, I'm going to go um, subscribe to Paramount plus and we can, we can watch Sonic. Like it's better than renting it and you know, whatever. And I couldn't subscribe because I already had an account with access. <laughs> and all I could figure was, and I've never, I've never subscribed to Paramount Plus like directly, and I don't pay for Paramount Plus. It's 100% because I canceled through Apple TV channels. And, you know, they give you, like, they're one of the few services that gives you your own, like, login. Yeah, so you app. can access the real app as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's some disconnect in canceling the channels feature on the TV app. Like, who knew the TV app was, wasn't, you know, up to par? But it did not. It has not canceled my Paramount Plus like actual access. <laughs> and as far as I can tell, there's no way for me to turn it off. <laughs> like, so you're just getting it for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, which, and I mean, I, that's a bonus. Take yeah, it. <laughs> I call it the infinite bundle because you know what can I do? But um, I guess like the main reason I liked CBS All Access before it was Paramount Plus was like for the CBS stuff. I'd watch the Late Show with Stephen Colbert um and 60 minutes and, and the evening news and um, face nation things like that like all the boring stuff um and i just i haven't you know i haven't watched that in several months because i didn't have it you know just and apparently I do so um not, not, not that anybody could repeat that like you know <laughs> do it again but um i i, I kind of like the tv app right now i'm feeling kind of <laughs> <laughs> i can't watch it in the tv app but uh everywhere else <laughs> Free money bribe right there. Literal free money stuff. Yep. Yep. 
All right, that is the Happy Hour Podcast for this week. If you enjoy the show, um, we appreciate any ratings, reviews, or if you share it with a friend, we really appreciate that. Um, thanks to everybody who supports our sponsors. If you want the ad-free version of this podcast, you can subscribe in Apple Podcasts for $4.99 uh, per month and get the ad-free version. And um, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. You can follow me on Twitter at ApolloZach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZMA. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.